In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Turning your Bibles over to the book of Daniel. Go back in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter, I'm going to read kind of a lengthy portion here. Daniel chapter 2, to follow along and I'll give you the verses as I get to them. 48, beginning at verse 48. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 48. I'm going to then read right down through chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then pick up verse 8. Daniel chapter 2, beginning at verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. Verse 49. While Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Verses 8 through 25. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whosoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men who so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown, be thrown 
immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Let me say that again. Again, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace, 21. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the eighth beatitude. And as I mentioned to you before, there are eight beatitudes, but we're going to treat them as nine. And we're going to actually break them down into nine. This is the eighth one. And while number eight basically is one, we're going to separate it out as we look at the persecution to be one. One is dealing with the pronoun is more general. Let me point your attention to this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you. We're breaking that out because one applies generally, as I like to read Dr. Butler, to general people and then one specifically. So today we're going to take a look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The word persecuted in our text means to pursue. To pursue, to pursue. When you are being persecuted, a person does not come at you only one time. They don't come at you and say, oh, that's it. I'm done. When a cheetah is, is going after a gazelle, it doesn't say, I've chased that, that, that gazelle one time. I'm through. I'm not chasing it anymore. They continue to pursue until they get their prey. Blessed are the persecuted. 
Many people need to stop saying that they are being persecuted when it has nothing to do with them living a righteous life. In this eighth beatitude, it follows the conditions of those that have been promised blessings from the first seven. When you get to beatitude number eight, blessed are the persecuted, it follows that you are being persecuted because of the inner conviction of living for the Lord. You, you have gone back to verse number one, and it talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are those who mourn. When you get to being persecuted, it's because you've already gone through and made a choice that you're going to live for the Lord God Almighty. You don't define your own righteousness, yet many people are claiming that they are being persecuted. The criteria of receiving the blessed command of Jesus is for righteous living and not your definition of what you might be going through. The church is constantly saying, I'm going through all types of persecution, all types of struggles. The world, the world is persecuting me. The church is persecuting me. My family is persecuting me. I'm just being persecuted. God is persecuting me. Let the devil persecute me. My question is, what in the world are you doing that you are being so persecuted? What have you done? The other matter that you need to look at is if you are being receiving certain treatment, you, you need to determine, have I caused it? Here you are having stolen from the store, and yet you talk about being persecuted. I've been, I've been persecuted. I just took a, a little bit of that. It wasn't yours to take. You don't determine what your consequences should be. I feel if I take this, this should be what I should have to pay. I shouldn't have to go through all of this. I just took that. Your consequences are more than like, more times than not, it is more than what you have taken. Punishment that you receive is more than what you may have done. Why? It's punishment. It is to deter you. But being persecuted, as Jesus is saying here, is paradoxical. You would rarely think that a person is going to be persecuted for wanting to do that which is right, wanting to treat people well, wanting to mourn and to honor God. And yet, persecution might be the lot for righteousness' sake. So when you consider the first seven Beatitudes, and if you are saying you are being persecuted or are being pursued wrongly, does your situation and what Jesus says apply to you? Does the first seven Beatitudes apply to your situation? When you look back at your life, are you being persecuted because you have followed what Christ has told you to do? You're saying, I don't harm nobody. I don't do nobody no wrong. I have people tell me that all the time. I don't harm nobody. Somebody tell me that just the other day. I don't harm nobody. I leave people alone, and yet they persecute me. I know this man that I spoke to outside my car, and we carried on this brief conversation. Don't know the Lord. And so when we think about persecution, the criteria is very specific that is laid out. Point number one, you're writing the points down. 
promotion and honor. I'm just going to just deal with point one briefly. Promotion and honor. You'll, if you want to reference those verses, that will be Daniel chapter 2, verses 48 and 49. The names Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. How many of you know who they are? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I see two hands. Three, four. All right. Now, now, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were their Hebrew names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah before they went to Babylon in the when they got to Babylon, they were given new names. And so you know them by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Abednego, Meshach, and Shadrach. <laughs> they are slaves in the land of Babylon as they have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C. The invasion of Babylon has taken some of the people in the land and have taken them to Babylon because of what God said would take place because of sin. As we are primarily addressing the three Hebrew boys today, as they are often referred to, We note that it was Daniel who had the gift of being able to interpret dreams and that God gave him the the, 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 this ability. And it was Daniel that asked his friends if they would pray with him for God's mercy to be able to interpret the dream of the king and not only interpret the dream, but to also be able to tell the king what the dream was. And you have to look back further in the story at the beginning to see what had happened. But just briefly, Daniel is one of the wise men and his life is on the line. As a very rash decision has come from King Nebuchadnezzar to kill all the wise men. And so Daniel goes to the three of his friends that he knows that he's either grown up with, knows from where in the city of Judah, and he says, we need to pray. I need your help. I've asked the king for time and I need some people that I can depend upon to pray so that we're not killed along with the other wise men. Today I am convinced that prayer is the key to changing situations in this world. Prayer is the key to changing how we handle our business. Prayer is the key to helping us in helping us to have a different outlook on life. Now, Daniel, upon receiving the answer from God and interpreting the dream of the king and given the meaning, meaning of the dream, he is elevated to a high position in the king's court, and he then is at the king's, his, I don't know if it's his palace, but he stays in the city of the king. So not only does he receive an elevation and promotion, His calling now keeps him in the council of the king. Their character is on full display before the others. There are others who are looking at these three. And because of where Daniel is, Daniel says, because of my elevation, I recognize that I didn't do it myself. I'm going to ask the king, would you also give places of honor or would you bless my friends? They were the ones that helped me. The Bible says that they were made governors as well. 
You see, sometimes when you pray and others join along with you, they receive part of the blessing that, that comes along. You see, when you pray and you have others joining you, there are blessings not only for the person you are praying for, but also for those who have been invested in that prayer endeavor. And so thank God for Daniel says, would you also bless? And the king gave them different positions. So what was happening? Their character is on display. And then those are the other people that are in the land. The other administrators, the other people are jealous because of their position. Now King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. You can go back and read that. But when we get to chapter 3, he builds a statue that may have been from the dream that he had. And he builds a statue 90 feet high and says that I want you to bow down and I want you to worship it. Everybody that, that uh, is in my kingdom is to bow down when you hear all the music playing and worship the statue that I have set up. Let me say this. When you are promoted, it may not be because you are all that wonderful. There are some people today, when they don't get promoted, they say, I ain't got no promotion. Yeah, I've been here for 20 years. I ain't got promoted only one time, if even that. Ain't, they're not promoting me. And here comes another person. Longevity does not always mean you get promoted. What are you doing in the kingdom? What are you doing at your job? Longevity is not the only requirement. When people are, 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 are given honors of promotion, oftentimes it's because of they've proven themselves, they've done things, and God will then elevate them. Or they may be elevated on the, on the job, but it's still the hand of God. And so some people get upset because I've been there all this time and I'm just being passed all over. Well, what's your attitude like? Are you mean on the job? Are you always complaining on the job? When people come in that's new, do you corrupt them? Or are you an encouragement? And when they talk about you, do you pray for them? I just told the group on Wednesday. Here I am at going to Beth, Bed and Beyond in Larkspur last week. And pull up and park. Person in the front said something. Maybe he's on the phone. I get out of my car and start walking and set my alarm. And the person started yelling at me, and cussing, and I stopped and turned around. That alarm, I was standing right here. Why did you set that alarm? Why don't you, you can get that thing shut off? Why don't you unplug it? And, and um, I had to remember what I preached the day before. And I said to the gentleman, sir, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were standing right there. And then I turned on around, and there's this lady standing there watching, and she's just shaking her head, and she saw and She says, everybody wants to be a cook, I guess, huh? <laughs> and we just kind of just went. But I walked on in and took care of the business I had to take care of. But I came back to the car, looked around to make sure he didn't bump into my car, or I didn't have no headlights busted out or anything. But I had to stop for a minute and, and had to stand there and think. If I say something, will it end in a certain way? Or, or am I going to say something that will change it? 
will I be a peacemaker? Sir, I'm sorry. He said a few more things and died on down. I went about my business. Now, I don't know if the lady who happened to was scared. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? I don't know what she might have been thinking. But wherever you are, your witness is on display. You never know who might be watching you. Blessed are the persecuted. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. I think it says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people or to a people. I believe it says something of that nature. Righteousness exalts a nation. If someone find it quickly for me, Proverbs 14, 34. But sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness. When we look at the young men, which brings us to point number two. They are promoted and they're honored. Now the charge and the challenge. That will be found in chapter 3 of Daniel, verses 8 through 13. If you stand out for God in a corrupt setting, you are going to be noticed. Just understand. If you stand out for God in a corrupt setting, you're going to be noticed. It really makes no difference what the enemy has planned. What you need to know is that you are the target because of the inner conviction of living holy and according to God's will. There's a target on your back. There's a target on your forehead. You are the target. One of the most significant challenges that these young men faced was being a slave in a foreign land and continuing to honor the Word of God in that place. How incredible that was that you tell the king himself, we're going to honor our God. That had to be very significant when everybody is being told, you need to bow down and worship. If you are living the life that Jesus speaks of in the first seven Beatitudes, you can expect the eighth Beatitude to occur. Blessed are the persecuted. What's the criteria? Righteousness. So the next time you say you're being persecuted, evaluate your life. And say, am I being persecuted because I stand for the Lord? It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's inner conviction that made them prime targets for, and candidates for the persecution that was heading their way. While everyone caved and fell to the drumbeat of the king's command, these three young men stood firm and stood tall. Today everybody wants to cave in. Everybody's coming out and the Christians are going in. The charge from these astrologers is that they told the king, these young men pay you no attention. What's the issue? One of the issues is that they're jealous of the position that these young men have been given. Don't tell me there's not fighting at the top. Body trying to claw their way to the top. Oh, I tell you what you need to do. You need to begin to claw your way down. Because the way up is down. You, 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 want, you want to be elevated? Begin to pray. Begin to humble yourself. Begin to go around and say, what can I do to help someone? What can I do to honor God's word? What can I do to just carry out what the Lord has called me to do? Don't know why they sat me over here. Don't they know who I am? I should have the seat of honor. The challenge. 
The challenge is, will you cave or will you stand? That's the challenge that they're faced with. They're being persecuted by the words of the astrologers and the others by saying, King, you've given an edict. And the edict says that everybody that hears the music, and don't you know that you put these men in leadership position? And while we all fall down and on our knees and everybody is bound to the image, they are standing and people are going to start disrespecting you because of them. They're in a position of power. I think that you need to take note of that, King. They pay your decrees no attention. Some people are given a second chance by the oppressor to do that which is wrong. You see, when you've been faced with the wrong situation, remember, persecuted means to be pursued. It's not going to just come around one time. Somebody say, come on, man, why don't you smoke this joint man, with me, man? Why don't, you hit, why don't you hit this with me, man? We've got this pipe. That's not going to be offered just one time. They're going to offer it again. I've been offered stuff before. The question is, what are you going to do? Persecution. The enemy comes in like a flood. Remember that. Now, the interesting thing about these three young men, these three young men is that they say, we don't need a second chance, king. The king says, I'm going to give you another chance to change your mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another chance to make it right. And they stood there and said, King, we don't need a second chance. We ain't changing our mind. Here are some slaves being elevated by the king and telling the king, we're not changing our minds and we're not bowing. And the Bible says the king's attitude toward these three young men changed. You start doing some things differently and standing for righteousness and see what your so-called friends began to do and how they began to treat you. Some of you all say, I don't even, all all my good friends are out there. Really? Got a test for you. Take a verse from the Bible and take it to them and let them know that you want them to pray with you about that verse. And see what they say. See what the response is. See if they say, wonderful, yes, let's, let's kneel right here. Let's, let's hold hands. Let's pray. Or they say, man, I ain't got time for that. Pray. What you talking about? I don't know what that is. You come around against, oh, here comes such and such. They probably got another verse. Let's go. <laughs> They're going to start treating you different. They will treat you different. Are you standing or are you going to cave? These three young men said, King, here's the challenge. We're going, we're being tested in the sense of if we're going to stand. We've been challenged with the words of these men. (laughs) We've been challenged by the charge. The charge has come and the challenge is what are you going to do? And the challenge for them, it says, we're going to stand. Your stance will cause the enemy to increase the temperature of your persecution. He's going to increase the intensity of your persecution. The charge leveled against these three men are two. They do not serve your gods, they say. And two, 
They do not bow to the image. That's the charge. They don't serve the gods that you, that, that, that you have made, and they do not bow to your image. These are accurate charges against, against these young men, regardless of the motivation behind them. The persecution that has been identified has only one reason attached. Righteousness. This is what they are being accused of, righteousness. In the charges leveled against them and against you, I would ask you, is there enough evidence to convict you of righteousness like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Is there enough evidence to convict you? Or do the charges have to be reduced because they don't have enough evidence? If you had to stand as these three young men, would you be convicted? Or would they try to reduce them because they don't have enough evidence? Their response to the charge is their challenge in saying, we will not change our position. Point three, and I'm going to be done. The reward. Chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. You can be persecuted without having Jesus deliver the reward. It is important that when these young men said, we won't bow, the king said, go heat the furnace seven times hotter. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we used to have the saying that hell is seven times hotter than any fire on earth. I wonder, where did we get that from as, as kids? I don't care what the hottest fire is, hell is seven times hotter than any fire. That was a saying that I, I just have no idea where it comes from. <laughs> Maybe it came from this passage right here. And with the king said, go heat it up seven times. I, I, there's something that I hadn't seen before when I, was, when I was studying this, and that is this. It is, when the king said, heat it up seven times, it was a way of the king saying that my anger is complete. As the number seven deals with completion, perfection. And the king said, go heat it up. But I want you to get this. The king does not have the last say. I, I don't care what he says, what he does, how he says how hot to heat it. Go heat it seven times. He does not have the final say. Whether your deliverance comes now or your deliverance comes later, Jesus has the final reward. While they were ready to die for honoring God, Jesus repeats the reward in chapter, in this eighth beatitude, just as it was repeated in the first. You see, when scripture repeats itself, it's wanting you to take a special note that it is sure to happen. When the Lord would call a person's name twice in the Bible, Saul, Saul, Samuel, Samuel, it's a way of saying, pay particular attention to what I am saying. Jesus don't repeat himself for no reason at all. King heats up the fire seven times hotter. And any time you began to express your anger that's out of control, other people suffer. Other people are at risk. And as they are taking these three young men to the furnace, the Bible says that he orders some of even his strongest men to bind them. And one of the things that I get from this, I get that time so that it hurts. 
bind them so that they can't move. Why would he need to get his strongest men? Because he was going to tie to where he was cutting off circulation. The enemy is not playing games. He's out to destroy you. And even though the king's dream had been interpreted, because they won't bow to this king's image of an idol god, the Lord says, even in the first command, thou shalt have no other gods before me. These young men stood on their principles of honoring the word of God. <laughs> While they were ready to die for honoring God, as I said, Jesus repeats the reward. That the reward is going to be heaven. Here in the furnace, it is believed to be Jesus himself. When the king looks into the furnace, see the furnace were places to where you put people in and you could look over in the furnace. And the king, when the Bible says, saw what was who was in there, he jumped to his feet. He said, didn't we throw three men into that furnace? I did. Tell me, did we throw three men? Oh, king, live forever. We definitely bound those three Hebrew boys, and we threw them, just like you said, into that furnace. He says, well, behold, I see four of them in there, unbound, walking around, and the fourth one, because he didn't know who God was, says, looks like a son of one of the gods, walking around in the flames. It is Jesus who comes and says, I have the final word. When you're being persecuted... Jesus came from heaven and brought heaven right with him into that fiery furnace. <laughs> Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, when, are you when people persecute you for doing that which is righteous. These three young men are there and the king says to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't see it here. Come on out of there. Come here. Come here. Not only did they come walking out, hands unbound, feet unbound, turbans on the head, clothes. The Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. Can't tell me that God can't deliver you out of any situation being persecuted because they refused to bow to the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar made. Some of you keep bowing to your idols. You're bowing. You're bowing to that which God says you're not to have before me. <laughs> Some of you are bowing to other things. Blessed are the persecuted. You see, when you look at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes of the first seven, as I again bring this to the, a close, deals with what's happening on the inside, the inner man. Look at all of them. But when you get to Beatitude number eight, the persecution then comes from without, towards you. You see, there's an inner conviction that leads you to the Lord. And then when you get to that place, the persecution, guess where it's coming from? It's outside towards you. All of the Beatitudes, all seven, inner. Eighth, outer. Blessed are those who are being persecuted. Then, then the persecution don't always stay out there. Some of you say, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen to us. Then all of a sudden it hits you. 
And you're having to deal with the experience yourself. How many of you can say, I'm ready to be persecuted for righteousness? <laughs> how, how many of you stand in a place as these three young men that says, no matter what may come, our conduct is holy and righteous before the Almighty God, and we are going to stand. We're not going to cave, we're going to stand. We're not going to give in, we're going to stand. Bow your heads. I want to ask you this as we bring this sermon to a close. Are you being persecuted for the same thing over and over again or going through the same thing over and over and over again? Has there been any growth there in your life in that area? Are you complaining about the same thing? Or has your complaining turned to praise? With what you're going through, with the pressure that the enemy is bringing to you, are you saying, I'm going to stand for righteousness? Because I know what God has been doing on the inside, and I've been living out my conviction. Or is the fire burning you up rather than the chaff that it should burn up? Are you pure gold? Are you pure? Is with the fire, is it, is, is the fire hitting those things in your life and burning those things around you because it really doesn't matter? Or are you being consumed along with it? These young men could have the ropes burned off their hands, off their feet, and then they could start their victory march right in the fire because they stood. God, I pray in this place today. You give us such an inner conviction to obey the word and to God stand and to look at all the Beatitudes that we've been studying and continue to look at and recognize that persecution is coming. And it's a blessing, Lord, but it's coming because of righteousness. The reward for righteousness, I should say, is heaven. Oh, persecution is coming. It's coming. Where will your people stand? Where will I stand? And today we pray in this place that as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were elevated, their positions did not lead them to leave their convictions of serving the Almighty God. And so today we pray that we will reevaluate and begin to live the conviction and to live according to the Word of God. We praise you today for all you're doing and what you've done in our lives. God, help us, have mercy, help us today to remember, to remember the word of the Almighty King. Those that are not saved, save them in this place. Heal and set free in this place, Lord. Oh, my God, that you will be honored and glorified. Give you the praise, all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.